everyone. This is Catherine Adams and Elizabeth Wallace, and you're listening to Binary System Podcast number 313. And tonight, okay, first of all, we're going to do something that we haven't done for a while because this is a special occasion. We finally watched Spider-Man No Way Home. (laughs) And how long have we been talking about the fact that we needed to do this? I mean, even after finding out that it was finally available for streaming, it still took us weeks to get around to watching it? Yeah, it came out last November, so we are close to six months after it came out watching it. Um, Yeah, and uh, in the uh, Multiverse of Madness, we have to watch this one because it's going to be, obviously, when you see the events of this one, you can see why it's going to play a big part in it. But um, And it still just took us forever. Yep. But, oh my God, was it really, really worth it. I enjoyed the heck out of this. I think I enjoyed this one more than the other two, possibly because it was a little bit less of the teenage high school, oh my God, what are we going to do before they find out? You know, wacky shenanigans sort of thing. But, man, it was, they didn't pull any punches with this one. No, they didn't. So we're going to say right away, giant spoiler warnings. I mean, six months have gone by. And yes, there were certain things that I knew about the movie that had come out that they had kept a secret before the release and then everybody was talking about it. So sure, I was technically spoiled on some things, but other things I was not spoiled at all. And so I would like to commend everybody who kept the spoilers to themselves. So just uh, if you haven't watched it, stop listening right now because we're going to spoil everything. Now, the first thing I want to address is the fact that I hope that the next movie, The uh, Multiverse of Madness, addresses the fact that Doctor Strange was being a big old jerk in this one and all of it is his fault. All of it. Seriously, yes, every single bit of it. And it's so weird because we're so used to Benedict Cumberbatch playing these very, like, I don't know, straight-laced sort of... Well, not straight-laced. Abrasive. Sherlock is hardly... Yeah, Sherlock is hardly... hmm. Sherlock is not straight-laced. And yet, I mean, just him showing up even with the coffee cup and joking around about wiping people's memories of a party and everything. I forget that Doctor Strange is not like this mystical guru type person. He was a very loudmouth, overconfident doctor, and now he's a loudmouth, overconfident sorcerer. I did love that bit when he floats in with his cloak holding the coffee cup and he just has this big dramatic entrance and touches down and then his feet slide out from under him and he straightens himself back up again. So that was that was a very nice touch. But yes, it was. All seriously, was oh my God, he got mad at Peter because Peter asked him to fix something, fix the fact that he was... Everyone knew he was Spider-Man, and his friends were getting kicked out of or rejected from MIT simply for being associated with him. And Doctor Strange gets mad at him for asking him to brainwash the universe instead of just calling up MIT and trying to negotiate with them. But at the same time, Doctor Strange was getting ready to brainwash the universe on the word of an 18-year-old. And right. Like, and he's just like, he's jumping into the spell and having to stop when Peter keeps asking for stuff. And I'm just thinking whoa, why don't you just stop and get your story straight and then you can do the spell? Seriously, there was like no preparation whatsoever. He just immediately assumed, oh yeah, this is going to be fine. It's great. Even though the acting Sorcerer Supreme, um, he was telling him, uh, don't do this. It's a very bad idea. And Strange is not going to listen to anybody, but he is going to get pissed off at everybody. And he's just, I don't, yeah. Yeah, he really was a jerk in this one. So I was sort of 
you know, seeing the previews, trailers, whatever, for Multiverse of Madness, and everybody's like holding him responsible, and they're coming after him, some kind of tribunal or whatever, I'm like, oh, no, I feel terrible for him. And now I'm like, no, I think he probably deserves it. It's, it, it really does need to come out that um, all of this stuff, that, well, how much of the multiverse is his fault? I mean, we've got the Loki multiverse, of course, and then yeah. Wanda apparently triggered something when, you know, mm-hmm. at the end of her series. So I don't know. I don't know. I have to say, though, that the effects in Doctor Strange's uh, sections of the movie were my favorites. Just oh my god, so pretty. The, the whole the mirror dimension, the mirror dimension. I was just going to say that that was the best. Just watching them fight, and it was interesting that he like knocks Peter out of his body, but Peter's still able to you know have some kind of control. And Strange is like, how how are you doing that? Yeah, and I they didn't really talk about that, did they? How he happened nope. to have some, but they did talk about the fact that Peter's best friend Ned does have magic powers because he was able to use. The, uh, the the ring in order to um, create portals. And he's falling from the sky in the climactic battle and he's going to die and Doctor Strange's cloak comes and saves him. And that was, it was great! I didn't know that I needed that. Oh, that was awesome. And you see him like when it lets him down and it gets off his shoulders and kind of like flies away. He's like, oh, thank you, Mr. Cape, whatever. <laughs> oh man, that whole last battle where he and MJ are running for their lives because he can't figure out how to close the portal up and at one point he opens up a portal which I guess he opens it up to the ocean and all this water comes out at the lizard and everything. I'm like, oh, all of this. I love people playing around with portals. I never get tired of that. I don't know who it is involved with this movie who obviously loved the video game portal but they really brought that in. I mean, that bit in the mirror dimension when Peter and the cloak are falling through the sky, falling through a portal and just kind of zip, zip, zipping through the portal over and over again. That was, and that is all something strange out of the video game, I'm sure. Oh, oh, yeah, absolutely. But while we're talking about things that made us just stand up and cheer, it's like very early on in the movie, of course, everybody's blaming Peter for the death of um, Mysterio, I guess. And they're, they arrested him and everything. And his lawyer shows up and we're like, oh, it's Netflix Matt Murdock! Yay! <laughs> just I can't cheered. believe it. I can't believe nobody spoiled that to me. Nobody, I had no idea that was going to happen at all. And he handled every bit of it so beautifully. I mean, a brick gets thrown through the window and Peter goes to catch it and Matt Murdock catches it first without looking at it. And Peter just like, uh, how did you do that? And Matt's like, I'm a very good lawyer. That's all he says. <laughs> Did you know that uh, Favreau, who of course plays Happy, you know, mm-hmm. creator of Iron Man and all that kind of stuff, I was looking at the trivia. I hadn't known that he played Foggy, who is Daredevil's best friend. He played Foggy in the 2003 Daredevil. I think that was 2003. The one with, um, what's his bucket? Um, oh, what's his name? <sighs> Not Matt Damon. The other one. <laughs> <laughs> he would be horrified to hear me say that. He would probably be relieved that you're no longer associating him with this movie, because apparently that one wasn't very good. Matt Damon. Okay. No, no, no. You, it's not Matt Damon. I already said this. It's not Matt Damon. I just said that. Damn it. Hang on. Oh, my God. I have just been having a day. Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck. How did I forget that? So weird. Anyway, yeah, so apparently there was a line where 
Matt Murdock was questioning Happy, and he said something like, oh, I'm a little foggy on the details, which would have been great, but they cut the line. And oh, like, that's a shame. That sucks. Oh, this man. is why we yeah. can't have nice things. Right, right. But someone they brought in from another movie for this trilogy was J.K. Simmons as J. Jonah Jameson. And I am convinced now, I mean, I read a trivia that said that uh, J.K. Simmons had been heartbroken that he wasn't going to be able to come back after they canceled the previous uh, Spider-Man series. And then he got to come back again. And I'm just like, well, of course, because nobody's going to be better than J.K. Simmons. Absolutely nobody. And and that little touch when he's like, he's a right-wing TV host and he goes to a commercial after pushing health supplements. I'm like, that is so on the nose right now. I oh mean, I'm God, not even yeah. going to give bandwidth to the person that they were slagging off there, but they were slagging off somebody pretty hard. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But and then when we talk about people that they brought back, I mean, obviously, we've got Doc Ock and people were so excited about Alfred Molina, you know, bringing him back. And he was so good. And all of these villains from previous movies, Jamie Foxx got to come back, which was not, it was uh, Andrew Garfield's second movie, which I did actually see in the theater and I wasn't terribly impressed by. But I thought Jamie Foxx did a really good job in this one. He did, yes. But I'll tell you who did an excellent job was Willem Dafoe, because that was another oh, wow. surprise in this movie when Peter's um, aunt calls him over to the place with the charity place where she's working and says one of the guys you're looking for is here and he comes charging in and Willem Dafoe is just sitting at the kitchen table talking with May and he yeah. is just so believably broken just this whole idea yeah. about he doesn't he doesn't know what to do he doesn't know where he is there's something in him that makes him do bad things and then he can't remember I'm like oh this is really kind of heartbreaking and then yeah. of course you know the evil Green Goblin comes out and kills May. Oh, oh Lord. Geez. I couldn't believe when they did that. Talk about things that I had not gotten spoiled for. I mean, the whole time I'm like, no, they're, they're not going to kill Aunt May, are they? Are they going to kill Aunt May? They totally killed Aunt May. And apparently that's the first time she's ever been killed in an on-screen appearance. Um, Spideyverse, she had died, but that happened, you know, off camera and everything. Um, but yeah, I couldn't and Marissa Tomei just does such a lovely job. I mean, she's so good, and that just broke my heart. I, When I first saw her, when she made appearance in Captain America Civil War, and I thought, ugh, they're really going that young for Aunt May. I can't believe they always go so young for these characters. You're going to have babies playing them before long. Um, yeah, she won me over. I really liked her character. Absolutely. Yeah, and she and, oh my God, she and Robert Downey Jr. were so funny together. Of course, it's not the first time they've shared some screen time, but, you know, it was, <laughs> oh, that just broke my heart. But then we have the appearance. I mean, you've got MJ and Ned, and they're trying to get in touch with... Peter Parker. But of course, all these other villains are being brought in from other universes. It's not just villains. It's anybody who knows that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. So of course, what does it bring over to other Peter Parkers? I think one of the scenes that impressed me the most was when they accidentally bring Andrew Garfield's Peter Parker in. And they're, you know, Ned and MJ are both a little freaked out about what's going on. And she wants him to prove that he's Peter Parker. And he, she's throwing bread at him to the idea that he'll block him with his spidey sense. He's like, could you not throw the bread anymore? And and then he finally does prove that he's Spider-Man. And he jumps up into the air and touches the ceiling and just hangs there. And I don't mm. know what about that shot was so perfectly done. I mean, there's no green screening, no CGI that I could tell. There's no, like, you know, big power move. He just gently jumps up and touches the ceiling. 
and and that's all it takes for him to just hang there. And I thought, wow, I had to rewind that and watch it a couple of times. That was yeah. really good. That was really, really good. And then, of course, Toby Maguire shows up, and I read in the trivia that apparently, uh, this is what the trivia said, I, I believe it, was that... Andrew Garfield always did very well with like the you know friendly neighborhood Spider-Man quippiness and all that kind of the Spider-Man side he really did but Tobey Maguire had always really captured the quiet nerdy you know empathic Peter Parker bit and that's why Andrew Garfield's in his Spider-Man outfit the entire movie while Tobey Maguire only you know kind of reveals that he's got the Spidey suit on under his regular clothes so he kind of stayed as Peter Parker as long as possible so that the two of them between the two of them they represented what Spider-Man is as a whole. And I'm like, bravo. Very nicely done. That's a really excellent choice there. I like that a lot. Uh, And of course, Tobey Maguire's, I mean, he's in his 40s now, I guess. Um, It's been a long time since he played, you know, a kid Spider-Man. But they both, like, that's, that's kind of been... They talked a little bit about what had happened to them after their respective movies, didn't call it that, had ended. And, you know, they just, life goes on. And I don't know, I guess Tobey Maguire's Spidey, I mean, he kind of became more mellow. While I guess Andrew Garfield talked about becoming more bitter and not pulling his punches anymore, which is a thing. If you're as strong as Spider-Man is, you can kill people pretty easily. So the part of the movie that startled me, and I guess we should talk about that since we need to explain why Peter was fighting Doctor Strange and how Ned managed to get a hold of his uh, uh, spellcasting ring, that... So they've captured all these bad guys and Doctor Strange is getting ready to send them home, but it's becoming very clear that all these bad guys were brought over to the main universe from theirs the moment before they died. Like they yeah. were getting ready to die. If they get sent back, it's gonna be bad. They're gonna and they're they're having to face that. This idea that, okay, well we're gonna blink our eyes and then suddenly wake up and we're gonna die right then. And Peter right. won't let Doctor Strange do it. And that was like fifty five minutes into the movie and suddenly Peter Peter's going after Doctor Strange and stealing the um, the spell to keep him from casting. And I thought, oh, wow, this movie suddenly got a lot more interesting. Yeah, yeah, it went in a direction I never expected it to go. And it just, you know, it, it became just very lighthearted for a little bit because all the Spideys were going to work together. And they actually got, you know, the bad guys seemed to be kind of on board with all of this and everything. But it was, now, was it, was it Green Goblin? Was he the one who actually kind of pushed everybody to kind of betray him in the end. I forget what that turning point was when they all, you know, oh yeah, they're going to go ahead and do this. They're going to do this. No, they're not. They're bad guys still. Yeah, it was because Peter had decided that he was going to try to help all of their problems, like fix whatever, you know, science gone wrong thing had turned them into this tormented hero. And he manages to do that for Doc Ock by fixing the chip that fixes his, um, that connects his tentacles to his brain because the, right. it, something happened with it. So now all the feedback was coming from the tentacles into his brain. So he was basically just hearing voices all the time. So he fixed that, and he's getting ready to fix Jamie Foxx's character, who I'm not at all familiar with, even from the comic books. Yeah, yeah. second uh, Andrew Garfield movie, so that's all I know about him. But then Peter starts getting his spidey sense, and it's really strong, and like a lot of distortion going on, and almost lights flickering and he's looking around trying to find out where the threat is 
and then he turns around and fires off a web and sticks uh, Norman Osborn's hand to the window. And he figured out, yeah, it was Norman, and he was getting yeah. ready to turn. And he did, and he completely destroyed everything because he decided, oh, if the bad Norman goes away, that's me, and that means I won't be in control anymore. Yeah, and then it gets very ugly. That is when May died, right? Yeah, well, this huge yeah. fight in, um, <laughs> in, in Happy's apartment and pretty much totaling Happy's entire condo. And, oh, God. Oh, yeah, oh, so God. it was... That was a pretty brutal fight. I mean, Peter Parker getting literally picked up and slammed into the ground by the Green Goblin was just, ugh, violence. Man, speaking of fights, all the fights in this movie, that scene on the bridge where Doc Ock first shows up, oh my god, the effects are so good, and there's a car going over the edge that he captures with the web the last second, drags it back up, and oh my god, it's so... You could see everything that was going on, though. I never felt like it was so... Con- I mean, it was so chaotic and going so fast, but I never felt like I lost track of what was happening with the action. Yeah, that was that's something that can happen with the action movies, especially if they turn the lights way down and then throw yeah. like about a billion people at the screen all punching each other. That can be really hard to follow. But I think they had enough bright colors in to mm. make it a little... And light. But yeah. they still had some very dark, quiet moments... Oh, man. Okay, so Peter is sitting on the roof, and he's just absolutely broken because of what's happened to May. And Ned and MJ figure out where he's hiding out, and they come to find him. And then the other two Peter Parkers come jumping in. And, you know, our our regular Peter is just freaking out. He's, like, holding up his hand to cast webs. So everybody freezes, but the camera just slowly pans around to the other two Peters standing, looking down in their ready pose. And I, I had to rewind and take a look at that again because that was a nice shot. So good. And if you go into the trivia, they point out all the times when all three characters kind of, like, pointing at each other because it's the, that Spider-Man meme where it's three characters pointing at each other going, you, you, you know, whatever. Um, They had to, of course, do an homage to that all over the place. And that's what most of the trivia was, I felt, on the IMDb page, was the nods that this movie made towards classic comic book uh, events or nods towards the other movies and stuff like that. Um, After a while, it got a little repetitive, but it was still, I mean, they were really, really trying to do all of the fan service in this movie. Well, there was one thing that I uh, read in the trivia just before we started recording, and it was something I wondered about. The final shot is Peter, and he's web-slinging through the air. And it's around Christmas time, I think. And mm-hmm, doesn't he mm-hmm. swing past the um, the Rockefeller tree? And I thought, yep, oh, yep. hey, um, Hawkeye and um, Kate Bishop were over by the Rockefeller tree. Well, apparently in one of the earlier scenes with uh, Peter Parker and MJ swinging through the air, you saw a billboard for the Rogers the Musical that uh, yep. Clint Barton went to at the first episode of the Hawkeye series. And I think that's cool. <laughs> that's brilliant. God, they, they just they were really meshing all of these worlds together, which we will get into the post-credit scenes pretty soon. But mm-hmm. I I just wanted to say another one of the nods, of course, MJ during the big battle with Doc Ock and, um, not Doc Ock, because Doc Ock ends up being on their side. Yay! But no, with the battle with all the other bad guys and the Statue of Liberty, and she goes completely like falling off. Clearly, she's going to fall to her death, and our Peter starts to go after her, but he gets knocked away by Green Goblin, and so Andrew Garfield dives after her, and he reaches her and grabs her and puts a you know web up and catches himself just before they hit, and it's just, I mean, it was so fast and so well choreographed, and it's wonderful, but then she's looking at him, and he's looking at her, 
And I'm just getting choked up because he, he asks her if she's okay. And she says, yes. And he starts to cry because his second movie, of course, was where Gwen died because she had fallen and he gets her with the web. But I can't remember off the, I don't remember if it was the fact that he stopped her fall with the web, but it broke her neck or if he stopped her, but she impacted the ground just enough that it killed her instantly. I mean, one of those two things, he, he wasn't able to save her. And so this was like his, his little bit of redemption there. And I just thought it was so well done. It was, because he asked her if she's okay. And she says, yeah. And she looks at him, are you okay? <laughs> oh, no, God. <laughs> so good. Oh, man, that was... Oh, that I couldn't believe. I mean, it's like in the middle of this huge climactic battle, and I'm just getting a little teary-eyed watching it. I'm like, oh, it's so good. But of course, you know, they managed to, I guess, Ned opens a portal and uh, Dr. Strange comes out. And he's like, I've been hanging over the Grand Canyon for 12 hours, which is totally a callback to Loki being like, I was falling for 30 minutes. <laughs> But yeah, he comes out and he's, you know, going to do what he intended to do. He's got the box, but they convince him otherwise. But um, Green Goblin gets involved. And I think all three Spidey guys, they get their spider sense tingling because Doc Strange gets the box back from Green Goblin and goes to cast the spell and looks at it. And oh, my God, one of the Green Goblin's grenades is in it and it explodes and just sends energy everywhere. And it causes this cascade of events that end up with um, multiple rips in the space-time continuum opening up all over New York. But basically, there's an infinite number of people in the multiverse that knows that Peter Parker is Spider-Man, and they're all coming here. Yep, yep, yep. So, I don't know. Our Peter Parker goes to see if there's anything that can be done, and Doctor Strange is just like, no, there isn't. And he's like, well, what if you cast the spell and just make everybody forget that I exist. You know, it wasn't the original spell, which is sort of forget that Peter Parker was Spider-Man. No, this is to just forget that Peter Parker ever existed. And this is one of the parts that I have a problem with in the movie, because that kind Mm. of solution feels a little hand wavy, because there's an awful lot that, I mean... I mean, because it's not like he's not going to exist. They're just going to forget that he exists. I mean, and you do, after the spell, J. Jonah uh, Jameson is talking about Spider-Man, and, you know, everybody's saying that he's being a hero, but if he were a real hero, he'd let us know who he is. So he's forgotten everything that they've talked about. I mean, like, so so the spell just wipes out all video recording, all record of his existence, all absolutely everything, none of the Avengers. I mean, maybe the Avengers remember that Spider-Man helped save the world but they're not going to remember Peter. I mean, that's, wow. Yeah, and that, I mean, I don't know how any of that works because, like, I know you see at the end of the movie, Happy, well, Peter goes to visit Aunt May's grave and Happy shows up, but Happy doesn't remember him. He's like, well, how did you know, how did you know her? And he said, oh, through Spider-Man. Oh, me too. And I was like, how the fuck does that work? I, I mean, don't why would, know. Why would Aunt May have a connection with Spider-Man? I don't understand how that bit works. Um, clearly, Peter Parker doesn't have access to any of Stark Technologies anymore. So, I mean, that whole idea of like, well, maybe the Avengers knew he helped. Well, I don't know. Did I don't know. I mean, it is just kind of like, it's like with time travel. If you start looking at it too hard, you're just going to be hanging around making diagrams with straws. I don't know. But, um, <laughs> But yeah, that my thing was, it's like, you know, Strange is like, I can't do anything. I can't do anything. And then he's like, why don't you, why don't you do this? Okay. And I'm like, well, clearly you can do something. I mean, it's like he could, he even asked him, can you cast the original spell that you were going to cast? He's like, 
no, but he can do this new spell. I don't know. At one point, MJ, because of course, Peter has to go to explain to her that they're about to forget that he exists. And so that was another moment when I got choked up because, I mean, she and Ned and him, they are so close and they are all just devastated by this. But she says something at one point, she's like, I hate magic. He's like, me too. And I'm like, me three. I'm sorry. I don't like, I don't like any of this, even though still Doc Strange's effects, especially with like closing all the portals in the sky and everything. That was some brilliant stuff. CGI. God, the, just the, the magical glowing letters in this gigantic circle around the Statue of Liberty. That's just so epic. It was just beautiful. Of course, the comments pointed out that it looked like a gyroscope, which of course aids in balance or something. And I was like, eh, it seems a bit of a reach, but I'm sure that's what the design was, you know, kind of going for. But um, just, oh, so, so pretty. Yeah, but, this was yeah. definitely the fu- most fun of the trilogy, the most epic of the trilogy, but they can't leave it there. I mean, when we're, no. uh, Nathan and I were, we had to leave to go take him to work, and uh, we had like, 25 minutes left in the movie and there's this whole very tearful goodbye with Peter and MJ and Ned and I told Nathan, okay, I'll go ahead and watch this later. And Nathan said, yeah, I can't believe that they're actually going to have everybody forget him with this much left in the movie. And I said, ah, you forget how long the credit sequence are in uh, mm-hmm. the Marvel movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking of credits, we had post-credit scenes and we actually had um, uh, 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 what is his name? Uh, who plays Venom? For crying out loud. Tom Hardy? He's so pretty. Thank you, Tom Hardy. I was like, he's so pretty. <laughs> I have not seen either of the Venom movies. I have heard such mixed reviews on them. I yeah, mean, I've, I've heard here. from so many people who absolutely hate them. And yet Hugh, who does our movie reviews, he genuinely enjoys them. I mean, he thinks they're very fun. Of course, the dynamic with, you know, the, you know, Venom and Eddie and everything. And it's kind of like this. Because he was sitting there and he was talking to a bartender And it took me a ridiculous amount of time to realize what was going on is that Venom is another one of Spider-Man's villains who knows apparently that Peter Parker is Spider-Man who was pulled in with everybody else. And I was, I don't know why it took me so long. I didn't realize until the glowy lights come in and they both disappear. I'm like, Oh, they got sent back with everybody else. So that uh, was great. But, but not all of it. A little bit of nope. Venom was left behind. Yep, yep. Apparently in the Venom movies, uh, the symbiote has connections to all the symbiotes everywhere. So that's mm, kind of... Okay. Yeah, there's a lot of deep dive into the Venom stuff in the trivia. But I just love the fact that he was just... It was such a great little scene. And it was. interesting that the bartender is actually the very talented football player from Argentina, I think, on Ted Lasso. Oh, yes, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, he's just trying to explain. Explain to me about this purple guy who really likes stones. (laughs) Just imagine somebody trying to explain the Marvel Universe to someone who's never even heard of them, even as the comic books. Like there's a green guy and this guy who has a suit made out of tin that flies all around. Oh, man. I mean, so many nods to how the different universes are different. Of course, you've got our Peter Parker and Andrew Garfield, Peter Parker, are talking about their web slingers, and he's like, what, is a machine? They're like, yeah, what is yours? And he, like, it's out of his wrist, and you see him, like, fling it at the wall, and they're like, oh, wow, that's really weird. <laughs> it's just... 
<laughs> also, that Andrew Garfield and um, Tobey Maguire's world doesn't have the Avengers. That was a fun thing. That was a little That's bit right. abrupt. Yeah, I've forgotten about that because this whole idea about bringing everybody into the same universe. Um, yeah, that's a bit more of a recent development there. Or, well, yeah. actually, it's because in the previous um, movies, it was completely different companies. So legally, yep. they couldn't acknowledge. Now, how long do you think before they're going to really be able to bring in the mutants? Because that's going to have yeah. to happen. Because Disney's going to own the whole entire world. It's not a matter of if, it's when. Well, I mean... Already, you've got Wanda, and she's got a hell of a connection to X-Men, though they don't mention it in any of these movies. However, I'm sure you've heard the rumors that we heard Patrick Stewart's voice in one of the um, Multiverse of Madness trailers, which mm. I didn't realize I had to have somebody else point out. So apparently we are going to get Professor X in there. So maybe that is our bridging thing that we're going to get. Yeah, it'll happen. And then our post-post-credit scenes, you know, the bit with Venom was kind of in the middle of the credits, and then you had the after-credits, which was really the trailer, kind of, I guess, in all the previews we've seen for Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness and everything, but... God, it's, I'm really excited about that. I'm just going to think, it's going to be great. I am too. I am so going to be going to Alamo Draft House to see this on the big screen because oh, yeah. the effects oh, yeah. are going to be just freaking magical. And I mean that. <laughs> yeah. And that's, you know, okay, so you've got um, Flix Watcher, who is, it's a great podcast, and they are reviewing movies that are available on Netflix. And one of the things they do is they have a small screen score, because these are guys who, and women, who really appreciate seeing movies on the big screen the way the director intended. And so they score it depending on, you know, do you think it lost anything by not being on the big screen? And I feel like No Way Home probably lost a little bit. Those probably, yeah. Probably, cool. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, Multiverse of Madness, I am definitely going to see it on the big screen. I'm going to have my, my brand new distance glasses that I have for driving. I'm totally wearing those because that was my problem in the first Doctor Strange movie. There was so much going on with the effects. But of course, I was having problems with my glasses at the time that it wasn't until I was able to see it on you know my screen at home where I could get really close up and see everything going on. I just, I don't want to miss any of it. They're they're so good with the magic effects. I know I don't always like magic because of the hand-waving, but the effects are beautiful. And I really do want to see what's going on with Wanda here because she does seem to be acknowledging that, yeah, she caused a lot of problems when she had her little breakdown after Vision yeah. died. But she's really talking to Doctor Strange about the fact that He's he's actually well. I mean, I don't. I'm wondering if are they going to be making it as a sort of man versus woman thing? Like if a man loses it, it's like a tragic struggle, and if a woman loses it, it's because her little woman brain couldn't handle all them emotions. I feel like I don't know. I feel like Marvel has gotten very progressive. I know the detractors will say it's gone woke, or whatever. But I I feel like they might bring that up because. You know, she's being held responsible for that, but now they're going after him. And if he tries to deny it, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised at all if she called him on it. You know, yeah. to be like, you know, hey, you know, I'm I mess up a bunch of people's lives and I get run through the ringer. You mess up a bunch of people's lives and you think you should just, oh, you're so big and important, you should be able to get away with it. So I, don't know. I do wonder about how they're going to be holding him accountable if he's made everybody forget the whole thing to begin with. So, um, the thing though is. 
it, he didn't make them forget everything to begin with. They, he only made them forget Peter Parker because oh. you heard J. Jonah Jameson talking about, well, it's been, you know, however long since the debacle at the Statue of Liberty and Spider-Man and all this. So you know that something happened at the Statue of Liberty and Spider-Man was involved, maybe even many Spider-Men. They just don't know his secret identity. So they remember everything, all that destruction. Because even um, Peter, when he sees MJ in the um, donut shop after all the events happen, and he sees the Band-Aid on her forehead, and he asks if she's okay, and she's like, oh, yeah, it doesn't hurt anymore. And that was a nice layered comment because it's like the scratch in her head doesn't hurt anymore, but he sees that she's also not sad about not being with him because she doesn't remember him. And I think that was part of like... He's worried about hurting her. He's worried about, you know, he even tells her at one point during everything that's going on, he's like, I can't concentrate if I think you're in danger. Um, He's definitely made a decision on her behalf that if she ever gets her memories back, I know she's going to be pissed off. Oh, she, well, I don't know, because he did, he did tell her that this was going to happen. So it's not like he completely blindsided her on that, but he would probably, yeah, I don't, that's that is something that would be a little tricky. The idea that you remember all this about somebody and they don't remember anything about you. It's yeah. a little bit like um, the movie um, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, where yep. people yep. erasing their memories, and one of the people working at the clinic helping to erase people's memories takes a bunch of the records of this one chick who got her memories erased and is using that to like give her the exact kind of jewelry that he knows that she likes and say all the Mm -hmm. phrases that he thinks that she likes because he's got access to that information. So there is a power imbalance when it's somebody who remembers everything about someone who can't remember them. Yeah, but he also told her and Ned he promised he would find them and he would, you know, make them remember him. But he, you know, he had his whole little script all written out that he was going to tell her some things and everything. And he makes a very conscious decision that he's not going to try and make her remember him. I'm sure he's going to come back later. Sure. But I was thinking at the time, I was like, you promised her that you Mm -hmm. were going to tell her. And now you're deciding I'm I'm reading into what was on the screen and everything, but I feel like he's like, I think she'll be safer if I don't tell her. Now, that would piss her off. That's true. That's very true. Mm-hmm. Man. Oh, dear Lord. Anything else I say, I'm just going to be spinning my wheels. It was very pretty. I took a long time to watch it like I was taking frequent breaks because we've been saying we were going to watch it for so long. Um, and I knew a lot of people had said that it'll just break your heart. So I was worried about that. But it was also this idea that, you know, we're not going to get anything else until Multiverse of Madness, which is what, June? Is that? Um, when is that one coming up? Four days from now, I think. What? Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, you, uh, the folks, well, the folks well, who are well. listening to this episode on the day that it drops, I think it comes out tomorrow. Oh, my God. Anyway, um, yeah, I was just like, this is the last Spider-Man movie, because at least when we were watching, we were very, very late in watching um, Far From Home. But at least when we were watching that, we knew we had an entire other Spider-Man movie after that. Well, we don't have anything after this one. And so the whole time I'm like, once this is done, that's all we get for who knows how long. So Why are we always pushing ourselves to catch up on things? This keeps happening to us. We just we finish stuff up and we're like, oh, great. Now we don't have anything else to look forward to. Ah! Um, speaking of which, we'll, we'll make a quick transition here. We won't spend a lot of time talking about this. But I, as of last week, I had watched all of the Fast Past episodes that were available on Laurel. Olympus. I'm like, crap, not only am I completely, totally caught up and there's nothing else waiting for me, 
but there's not even a lot of discussions going on about it because not everybody fast passes and people are afraid of spoilers. And I'm like, why did I do that? Why did I read all of them all at once? The Laura uh, Lippis community has been just fantastic about making sure people don't get spoiled by the mm-hmm. folks who get the fast pass stuff. I mean, I, I've never seen anything that gave anything away on the future episodes. And now I can't because I'm, well, I'm almost caught up. I think I have... I think there's one more waiting for... I can't even remember. I'm trying not to catch up too much, but it's just addictive. So addictive. So we'll have more, Laura. We already talked about the first episode after the return from hiatus, and we've talked about the one after that, which technically came out last week. So next episode, we'll talk about more because then everybody will be slightly more caught up. Oh, time is weird. Uh. Anyway. <laughs> well, I guess that is going to wrap us up for the week. So make sure to check out PixLadyGeek.com for all the book reviews, the movie reviews, the comic book reviews, the photo galleries. I went to Renaissance Pleasure Fair uh, just outside of Los Angeles last weekend. I could have taken so many photos I took a lot of photos of the more out there cosplay. You know, it's a Ren Fair, and it wasn't like a time traveler weekend, but apparently just everybody does their own thing. But, you know, I got a Back to the Future costume. I got a Lord of the Rings costume. Um, I got several Doctor Who um, elements around, you know, just a lot of nerdy stuff in there. But, man, some just the regular Ren Fair type of costumes. I got so many ideas when I was there of how to do a good Ren Fair costume. Just beautiful, beautiful stuff. And we had a great time. It was very fun. And I put a photo gallery up on the site of, it's probably like uh, not quite 40 photos up there, but it'll give you a good idea of kind of, I got some of the shots of the crowds and the booths and some of the things you can buy and the people and everything. So very, very fun weekend. I really like that picture you shot of the guy in the costume that was of basically him riding a dragon. So that was a neat costume. Oh, I have, I should post... I posted a video. I actually did post a video. I believe I put it on all of our social medias for Binary System. And you can see him walking by in it. But the tail was balanced so that as he walks, the tail kind of wagged back and forth. I mean, it was a really detailed. It might not even be just balance. Uh, we watch, um, Nathan and I watch a couple of cosplay YouTube channels. And they have motors and stuff for oh, tails. Wow. To, they have motors for people's ears. So you can actually get your ears to perk up or fold down or whatever if you're wearing Wearing, uh, long animal ears. Just brilliant. But anyway, all that and more, pixeladygeek.com. So technically, we do have a Night Vale episode to recap, but we didn't really want to talk about anything but No Way Home on this one because, oh my God. That <laughs> <laughs> would have been a bit much, I think. Yeah, so we will definitely you know, recap a new Night Vale episode next week. We will talk about Laura Olympus. We will talk about anything else in the nerd world that comes across our plate. But one way or the other, we will talk to everybody in one week. Talk to you later. Thank <laughs> you.